When I was little, my mom told me I was what the doctors called flop-jointed, which essentially means that I moved like I had no bones. I could easily put my leg behind my head, do the splits, distort my body in whatever way I wanted, and I didn't feel a thing. I used to move like I had no bones. Now, 22 years later, all I am is bone. Life can feel so sadistic. Chapter 2 I am lying in a heated room in the middle of Montreal, drenched in sweat. I've been here for 22 days. Not here in this room, but here in this training where I am learning how to teach hot yoga. I know we left off around the time I was sitting in the car staring at the windshield. The story may eventually loop back here. It may not. But for now, all you need to know is that the intense pain that was plaguing me in the car is still present. On top of that, I'm starting to, to become aware of more pain in my body and how I have learned to live with it, sit inside it. Sometimes the pain is systemic. Sometimes it shifts into s certain parts of my body. Today it has shifted from my stomach and into my wrists. This pain is deep and stiff and lingering so bad, I can barely wrap my fingers around the yoga block that is strewn on the floor next to my mat. When I was young and learning how to rollerblade, I never learned how to break properly. Instead, I'd hold my hands out in front of me and my wrists would snap back whenever they caught the wall in order for me to fully stop. Up until now, this is the narrative I've been telling myself as to why I live with pain in my wrists. Isn't it funny, the story we tell ourselves in order to avoid facing the truth? The air is foggy and slick, and the longer I am lying here, the more my mind drifts off, and for one full minute, I am mentally pulled out of the yoga room, and I flash back into my old bedroom, where I am lying directly on my wrists. It's 5.30 a.m., and I can hear her in the kitchen. She is rustling around looking for a spoon, presumably to stir her coffee, which she takes with her every morning she works in the OR. I am definitely not sleeping. I'm not even half asleep. My body is flexed, the way one might hold themselves as they prepare to walk down a back alley in the middle of an unknown city. My jaw is clenched, my right cheek is pushed into the pillow, and my eyes are fixated on a street lamp that is still lit in the dark light of the morning just beyond our house, just beyond my window, just beyond the blinds. All of a sudden, the clink, clink, clink of the spoon in the coffee stops, the rustling stops. And I hear that swishing noise paper makes when it lifts off a surface. And I know now she is reading the note I have written her. The bomb I am dropping on her. The family tree I am uprooting in this exact moment. My eyes are fixed on the street lamp and although the entire weight of my body is on my hands right now, I can feel my fingers instinctively curl around the sheets beneath me. She's coming. My friend that is a dancer told me you can always tell how someone is feeling by the weight in their footsteps, and the weight that is drawing near to my bedroom door is heavy, thumping, filled with rage. What little feeling I have left in my arms drains out of my body. The color drains out of my skin. I hear the door fly open. I pretend to be asleep, which is funny in hindsight because the adrenaline rushing through my veins is so strong. I wouldn't be able to close my eyes even if I wanted to. So maybe a better way of putting it is, I am immobile and praying she won't ask questions. What the fuck is this? Her voice is stern, loud, 
hot water about to boil over. I can't see her in my peripheral, but I know she is fisting the paper with one hand, holding her coffee spoon in the other, a dark shadow in scrubs standing in the light of the hallway in the small glowing slivers of street lamp. I don't respond, which pushes her over the edge. She screams my name, and when I remain unresponsive, she grabs the corner of my duvet and yanks it completely off my bed, exposing my body, rigid, frozen, distorted. Answer me! She orders me to follow her into the kitchen. She turns to exit the room. She's a dark outline in the doorway, just like he was. And for one moment, she is him, and he is here. And I am small and clenching the sheets and curled into a ball, pretending to sleep while his six-foot frame engulfs me. Everyone knows he is here, but no one knows what he's doing except for me. I am both the witness and the victim. His arms are long, clenched, immobile, and they are stretched over the top of my head like a bear trap. I feel his breath slink across the back of my neck and into my ear. I crank my head to the right. I cross my arms into an X. I roll onto my wrists to try and keep him out. I search the room for something to land my eyes on so I don't have to look at him. There is a stationary bike in the corner. It's white and blue. I focus on that. There are cutouts in the white wall. They are filled with grandma's jewelry. It's ornate, elaborate costume jewelry, and I imagine myself wearing it. I focus on that. I climb out of my body, and all of a sudden, the next few moments aren't moments. They're Polaroids. Bike, jewelry, him. Window, door, darkness. I focus on that. He has evil rushing like water underneath his skin. When he touches me, my skin crawls, and hours later, when it's still crawling, I question whether his evil has become a part of me. I easily detach from my body now. Some nights I just stand in the shower until the hot water runs cold. I stare at the droplets of water running down the white tile. I lose track of time, a feeling of space. I learn to avoid mirrors because I see the grooves of his face in my jawline and it reminds me I will never fully be free because blood is thicker than water. In a small moment of email confrontation, he denies everything. His girlfriend speaks up, says he was only acting in love. Do you have children, I type, my blood boiling. Allow me to demonstrate on your children exactly how he was being loving, I reply. There is sarcasm rushing off my tongue, vengeance running through my veins. I press send. I dry heave into a garbage can. I feel small. I am still. The air is foggy and thick. I have grown used to seeing the shadow of him exiting the door. My mom's voice, panicked, angry, prying, calls to me from the kitchen. I grab my duvet off the floor, I wrap it around me, walk out the door and down the flight of stairs. I'll probably need therapy for this, I quip. I am lying on my yoga mat, the air is foggy and slick. I take my left hand and use it to bend my right wrist back and forth, back and forth. It's thin, frail. 
exactly as I would expect it to be after sleeping on it for 15 years. The pain is pointed, raw, inscribed. I keep bending. It's slow and methodical at first, but then it builds into hysterical flapping because maybe if I bend it enough, the stories will release from the fascia, pour out of my bones, I'll be free. I am fixated and about to explode, a balloon filled with the poison of his axe, the dirt off his hands. My teacher, Dina, her footsteps are soft and kind, and she comes over to me as I'm lying in Shavasana the way a mother moves to protect her cub. She places her hand on my knee. She deflates the balloon. I begin to cry. Tears spill out of me the way my sweat pours off my skin, quickly and without permission. It is the first time I have allowed myself to cry in my entire life. Do you want to talk about it? She mouths.